Welcome to Create Photography, a podcast all about the creative side of photography. This is Daniel Sig. In today's episode, I want to discuss some of my thoughts about film photography in 2021. So this is episode 20 of Create Photography and yeah, I'm excited that we made it that far. We had already quite a few great shows and yeah, I think it's been going well and I got some great feedback and I'm very grateful for all the listeners and also all the guests that were willing to come on the show thus far. So today is a solo show and I want to share some of my thoughts on film photography. And we had some great film photographers on the podcast already, such as Kyle McDougall, as well as Ted Vieira. And I'll share links to their work and websites in the show notes as well, which is going to be danielsickphotography.com forward slash episode 020. Film in 2021. Film has seen quite a bit of a renaissance lately, and by lately I mean several years, of course, and I think it's a great thing. I think there's also a lot of hype, um, which, you know, can be a good thing as well, um, but, you know, obviously hype always has to be... taken a little bit with a grain of salt because film was almost dying while digital was taking off because digital was offering so many perceived advantages that you know still hold true um i think there is a mystique of film in the digital area that at least you know i can certainly see and submit to and i'm sure many others do as well now me personally i grew up with learning photography on film cameras but you know then in my later years you know have spent a lot of time with digital so you know i kind of had a return to film in the recent years and have been photographing film almost exclusively for the last one and a half years or so. So one thing on this topic of film in 2021 that I want to start out with is the topic of tools and film, film cameras and all that goes with film. It is at the end of the day, it is a tool to express yourself artistically or to document something or whatever you, whatever kind of photography you are doing. So I think that's very important. And sometimes people forget about that, I think. Because at the end of the day, I don't know if it matters that much what kind of a tool you're using, but you know, certainly there is a choice and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. So, so speaking of tools, 
or tools. So what is the purpose of photography tools? So in my opinion, a photography tool has to serve two main purposes. Number one, the tool is easy to use and it does not get in the way of letting us capture our images reliably. So it has to have a high usability. And the second one is that the tool helps us to realize our artistic vision. And that brings me to the point of, because it is just a tool, I want to discuss why the what is more important than the how in art. So in other words, while you know we as photographer might think, oh, it is so important that I photograph with film, and it may very well be important to us, to the viewer, unless the viewer is a photographer, it really does not matter. They don't really care about it. Do we care what kind of paint brand Van Gogh used and what kind of paintbrushes, or do we care about the final product that we see? Even in a photo exhibit, do we truly care if it was captured on film? Maybe grain was added in digital, I don't know. So I think that's something we sometimes seem to forget. And because photography has clearly a technical component to it that some say it's really complicated, some say it's really simple. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it depends. You can make it very, very complicated and can make it very, very simple. But um, regardless of that, I think... In my opinion, the what, so what you're ultimately showing or printing out or hanging on your walls or putting in your book or your zine or what you're sharing with others is much more important than how you captured it. So that's that's kind of a big first disclaimer and big point I wanted to make. So with that said, so there is a choice and, you know, people can choose, of course, to photograph digitally, they can photograph on film, they can photograph on Polaroid, etc. I mean, there are obviously all these choices. And, and you can do both. I tend to do both. I still photograph digitally and sometimes I capture a phone with, uh, sorry, sometimes I capture a photo with my iPhone um, of course, and you know, the iPhones are getting better and better if, if you do upgrade them. <laughs> um, but even my older iPhone has still a pretty decent camera, um, especially if you're not using it in low light. But anyway, so, so let's start. I want to discuss three areas of film photography that I think are intriguing and that may, you know, help you make that choice, or at least it's a consideration of why you still may want to pursue film photography in 2021. So let's start with the camera itself. So one of the things that intrigues me with film cameras is their simplicity. I think, um, you know, they're fairly straightforward for most part. I mean, there are some more advanced film cameras as well, like the latest Nikon model that's now, I believe, out of production. But, you know, typically they're fairly simple cameras. They're older cameras. They're very analog. 
And, you know, typically you're not having to set too many different things. Um, typically you, you set your exposure with your aperture, with your shutter speed, and then you set your focus. And that's basically it. So, so there is a point to be made around the simplicity and really having, having it, depending on what kind of camera you use, really the bare bones. The next point is, you know, there's clearly some sort of nostalgia um, around film cameras. We all love the photog photographers of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and so forth, and, you know, the cameras they use, whether they're Leicas or others. So, th so there is some sort of a nostalgia around these vintage cameras. And, you know, it probably ties it also to, or ties to, having nostalgia with photographic history, if you're interested in that. So, so I think that's another point that, you know, may interest some people to pursue photography just because of that. I think a more important point to me is probably that it may slow you down to some extent, and some people might disagree with that, but I would say, I think film photography slows you down a little bit in that, you know, you are probably not shooting it like digital in a sense that, you know, if you have, let's say, a 35 millimeter camera and you have 36 frames on a roll, um, you're not gonna just go click, 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 click. Um, you're probably gonna be a little bit more deliberate. So, so it forces you to slow down. Some of the manual processes force you to slow down as well. Of course, there are ways around that, and people use film cameras for street photography, and you can still work super, super fast. So, so I don't. I want to make clear that it doesn't mean that you cannot work fast as a photographer. Of course, you can. I think for me personally, what film cameras do help me with is that once I kind of have decided on my depth of field or some of the exposure concepts I want to pursue whether I may I may want to slightly overexpose, I want to slightly underexpose or whatever I want to do in that sense, my depth of field, then I really start focusing in on the composition. And um, that's to me is is a big point that, you know, it lets me focus on the story and the composition. That's particularly true if you're doing street photography, but you know certainly true for other photogra photography genres as well. Another point to be made might be to some extent that it helps you to be consistent. Now, that may relate more to our next topic, the negatives, but you know, the film, there is a film look, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But so that brings me to point number two the, after the camera, and that's the negatives. So, Obviously, when you're working with film, you have to deal with the development process. Now, of course, you can choose to just send it to a lab and even have the lab scan your negatives and, you know, you get back um, digital files from your negatives. So that's, you know, one, one form of a hybrid flow that one can pursue. Or you can just decide to develop yourself at home, which I tend to do, and then scan myself as well, whatever scanning method you use. So 
but there is something to be said about you know this development process that also kind of will play into another point around the slowing down so there's not an immediate gratification <laughs> with film typically so even if you're finishing a role unless you develop it right away that very evening after you maybe walk the streets of your town or city um it is still you know it takes some time to get those negatives um, processed and of course you know some people might even print in the dark room and even the dark room printing process is obviously very elaborate and it's not a not a quick process whatsoever at all but even the what most people do these days i think is this hybrid process where they photograph um, everything analog and then at some point convert to digital so there's something about you know the, the process and some people actually enjoy that process and there's something to be said about delayed gratification now another point that is not talked about that much but that i think is actually quite cool is having the physical copy of your negatives and you can store them if you properly store them and you just got to make sure it's in a storage um, format that actually doesn't damage the negatives so there are specific you know holders negative holders that you can buy on places like amazon that um, don't cause any any issues and let you store negatives for a long long time if it's done proper properly so my dad just has now he had negatives that he shot in the 50s and i saw basically the the digital version of the of the positive and they, they look fantastic and so they were based on negatives that were basically 70 years old so so i think that's pretty cool so so there's something to be said about you know storage of negatives and of course you could digitize all your negatives too but there's something to be said about having the actual negatives um you know as well the other point about negatives, of course, is the film stock. Um, so you can choose all kinds of different film stocks still to this date. And still to this day, this includes things like black and white film, color negative film, color slide film, and so forth. And within each of them, there are, of course, different choices. Let's just assume we're pursuing what most of us pursue, which is 35 millimeter. Yes, some people shoot medium format and some people shoot large format, but some sh people shoot half frames. But 35 millimeter is probably a pretty common thing to photograph, a common photography format. So, yeah, and you do have, you know, these choices and, and they do make a difference. I mean, I, I have now more deliberately experimented with all kinds of different um, black and white negative film stocks from all kinds of different manufacturers as well as color film stocks where you know maybe the choice the choices are not as great but there's still quite a few choices out there so film stock is is, is you know it's an interesting thing and that kind of plays back to uh, the consistency that we discussed earlier. So I think it can help you achieve a consistent look. When you look at work from, for example, Kyle McDougall and look at his work that is quite consistent and part of the consistency 
it's not only consistency maybe of subject within a project subjects but it is also a consistency of using the same or similar film stock um, another thing that we have with negatives that is a literal negative is negative flaws. So sometimes we may have dust, fingerprints, scratches, and all kinds of things. Um, this does happen. It happened to me. Um, but I think with proper handling and proper development process, if, you, if you're careful, I think this is going to be very minimal. I am not one to embrace those types of flaws. I know that I have seen that there's a little bit of a, that I think goes a little bit into the hype that I've seen that, you know, kind of really embracing those flaws. And, you know, I, I get it. And some people like that. That's just not me personally. It, it's not something I would necessarily embrace. It's not necessarily something I would see that, you know, at least from a fine art perspective, I would necessarily um now really emphasize those negative flaws and those you know extreme color shifts and all kinds of things and these you know first frame shots with partial partially exposed frames i i think y you wouldn't see that very often in art galleries i would argue but you know maybe that really also doesn't matter and that's a flawed argument in itself itself i don't know I already talked about the latent image. So with the negative, you get this latent image. It's obviously the film is not developed and there's clearly something to be said about the late gratification. Something that's for me personally a good thing, I tend to be fairly impatient. And so for me, that's a good thing to not get this immediate gratification. It is also something good when you're out shooting, you're not constantly staring at the back of your LCD screen of your digital camera and, and review your shots and and so I kind of like that but you know it, it does of course require a little bit of confidence that what you're doing you know hopefully works out it is a little bit more challenging and lately I've been doing much more risky photography and taking risks and long exposures and things like that where a lot of handheld stuff where I did not see the results until later so so we're you know but then you know you you potentially have just really um, images that really do not work out but with with regular images regularly composed and exposed and so forth my keeper rate you know i'm not saying these are great images but my keeper rate technically is very high so i think you can absolutely do that and you know with a very deliberate approach another thing i want to mention about film versus digital um without going into the issues of dynamic range which you know is is an issue that's being discussed sometimes but i want to discuss how negative film um can treat highlights and shadows and how digital does that um, and it's quite different, actually. So typically when you're... And I'm mostly talking now with about black and white and color negative film. Um, not as much with slight, with slight film. Slight film, you have to be right on with exposure. So, so, But let's just not... 
worry about slide film too much in this discussion, but really the, the black and white and color negative films. So film treats highlights very nicely and also kind of transitions from highlights to shadows. So that is something that's very nice. Even if you're blowing them out, I think there's a pleasant way of how highlights get blown out. If you're blowing out highlights on digital, um, and it does happen, of course, if you're shooting into the sun and stuff like that, it can get sometimes really harsh um, and, and not good. And the other thing is you cannot recover much. Um, and it's relatively hard to really blow the highlights in, in film. It's, of course, doable. But so that's one thing I really like in film. You can kind of push and expose to the right, it's much easier to expose to the right and maybe tend to overexpose a little bit and then still retain all the shadow details. Now, the other, um, so going to the shadow side of things. So, so one of the things where digital is really super strong is it really helps recover shadows. So you can really recover shadows very well. However, as we said, if you're overexposing and blowing out the highlights, that information is lost. Digitally, there is basically no more information available. But in, in the shadows, there is often in digital files, especially raw files, a ton of information in the shadows that can be recovered without a lot of noise often. So I think that is a very nice feature of digital um, you have to be careful, kind of protect your highlights in digital. Um, and, um, you know, depending on how you shoot, even, you know, expose such that you're not blowing out the highlights and then recover the shadows. Whereas, you know, um, for film, we're tending to expose for the shadows because once the shadows are gone in film, you cannot recover them. Not very well, maybe to a minute degree, but typically, you know, uh, if if it if it turned really black or very very dark, um, dark shadows to black, that is very hard to recover in film. So you know, it's just a different a different way of kind of approaching your exposure. Um, is it a big deal? Yeah, maybe. It, it kind of depends. It, once you're getting used to it, um, it, it may become easier. Film, certain films are very tolerant also to kind of wide swings of exposure values relative to correct exposure. So, you know, that's an, an advantage. But you may get that to some extent with digital as well, especially to the underexposure. So I think under so underexposure, I would say digital is very forgiving and um, film is very forgiving for overexposure. So that's my rambling about the negatives. Let's talk about printing. I think it's always great to print your work. I think it's fun. It's not necessarily super expensive. Um, you know, you don't have to print huge, even if you're making smaller prints and you can kind of physically see them. I think it's a lot of fun and can be very gratifying. And, you know, it's fun to maybe, maybe you want to hang up some of your shots that you like as well and frame them and then hang them up or put them in a zine or in a, in a small book. And nowadays it's really easy to do that with services like Blurb or 
others um, that um, Ted Vieira from Photography Matters podcast uh, and one of the previous guests talks a lot about that as well. So you should definitely check out some of his um, some of his work in his YouTube channel as well as on his podcast. Um, so I think the prints, the prints from film look beautiful. I love the look even more so than much more so than on the screen. It looks cool on the screen, but I really like it printed out. I think there's something beautiful about, you know, you don't, I don't necessarily am a grain person. I don't need to see a lot of grain, but you know, maybe you see a little bit of that grain and that grain is often quite pleasant to the eye. So, so I love that look. And, you know, that brings me a little bit to the film look. So so what is the film look? I think it's kind of hard to say. I don't know if I have a great definition. I think it has to do with certainly the grain formation to some extent. In an extreme case, it may be, you know, obviously more grainy. Um, it has to do with how colors are rendered. And there are all these different color film stocks. And, you know, there's certainly a look to that. Uh, a, a Kodak Portra looks different than a Fuji film. Kodak is known for having warmer colors. Fuji has colder colors and so forth. So there's a look around that. I think there's a look around how highlights and shadows are being rendered, at least a little bit. I think that there's some truth to that. And, yeah, it's, it is hard to describe what that film look really is. But... Um, that's that's what I think. And I, I personally love it. I especially love it printed out. So to sum all that up, is there a reason to shoot film in 2021? Well, I can certainly not answer this for you. And every photographer has to answer this for herself. For me personally, I think there are quite a few reasons that hold true that's the slowing down it's like enjoying the process being more deliberate and all that the look especially um, but you know i do understand when people make arguments against film there's there's a process involved there's time involved and there's certainly an ongoing cost involved now it's of course also there's cost involved with digital as well clearly um, and you can get into film with maybe an initial invest investment. I, w I would argue maybe $200 you can get a film camera and buy your first film with one lens. I think you it's doable, although even the film camera, the vintage film camera prices are hiking, Kodak's prices are increasing and so forth. So there is that, that issue. But one could make a sound and perhaps convincing argument that the film, uh, the days of film are long gone and that digital technology enables similar aesthetics and much more. And, you know, I think we could debate this and go back and forth. And I think it's one of those debates that I don't know if it makes sense to debate this because I think if, if somebody chooses to do film, let, let them do film and if somebody wants to do digital let them do digital and if they want to do both it's totally cool and if somebody develops like 
uh, Jamie Windsor on YouTube, he develops some really cool, you know, um, film um, plugins, um, um, filters, I guess, for, for Lightroom that you can use to create film simulations and there are companies that offer some of those as well. You know, that's cool too. I, I don't have, I personally don't have an issue with that at all. I think it's totally fine. So, so to sum up, I would say photographing with film cameras and film in 2021 is an artistic choice, isn't a photographer's choice. Film is still alive due to its resurgence and ongoing popularity. So thankfully we can still make that choice, but who knows, maybe in 20 years, you know, it'll be gone. I, I don't know. Until then, for me and for others passionate about film photography and photography in general, we can use this medium to create photography. And I'm grateful for it. I think it's cool. All right. So that's, that's kind of it. That was my rambling about film photography in 2021. I did write a blog post about this um, earlier last year that has some of these points mentioned that haven't really changed actually that much over the past few years, I think, but except that prices keep going up for film, unfortunately, but that's, you know, also showing the popularity. But anyway, so you can check out that blog post as well, if you like. Um, it has also some links to Daniel Milner's YouTube video about film that's also very intelligent, I, th I think, very intelligent, I think, and, you know, a great resource with additional points. All right, that concludes our episode today. The show notes with all the links that I mentioned can be found at danielsickphotography.com forward slash episode 020. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support and talk to you next time.